0: commandment so it's been our practice uh, to read the preamble which is um, solidifying you your relationship to god before he asks you to do anything which is highly unique and very very important to understand when it comes to the god of the bible we're going to explain that today Um, but this is god's word to you this morning we'll read exodus 20 verses 1 through 2 and then skip down to verse 7. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Uh, It's our practice here to spend a few moments in silence, and we're just simply asking um, in that moment. Privately, that God would make us aware of his presence. And part of what we're doing is, is this third commandment. We don't want to treat his name uh, frivolously or as if it doesn't matter. And so in that, in that moment of silence, um, we're calling ourselves to the reality that, that he's here and that we don't just uh, talk about him in the next 20 to 30 minutes, but we're talking to him, we're engaging with him. That's what worship is. And so, uh, would you do that with me? Would you uh, pray silently with me? Lord, we thank you for engaging with us, for giving us instruction. Um, for giving us what you call uh, the law of Liberty, this great uh, covenant, and these great uh, ways to live the human life. And Lord, there are all sorts of um, avenues by which you get us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of them is through the law, Another one is through uh, singing. Another one is through the sacraments. Another one's through preaching. And so we ask that you would show us by your Holy Spirit, that you would show us the beauty of Jesus Christ and that you would show us our need of him and that we can be found in his name. And so would you do that now, Lord? Um, your servants are listening in Christ's name. Amen. So. Uh, what, what is this command about? It's about allowing God to show us how we ought to refer to him, how he wants to be identified. There's a lot of talk today about that, about how we ought to refer to people. And as he says in this, uh, this command, how you think about me, how you speak about me, how you identify me really, really matters. And so be careful. Don't use my name as if it has no relevance on how you live or how you interact with me or how you interact with others. That word translated take uh, has the connotation of carrying or lifting. And that word vain in the text in verse seven can be translated as empty or false or as if it doesn't matter. And, And part of what the third command is teaching is that we ought to use We ought not to use God's name. We ought not to carry it around in ways that are thoughtless or empty um, or vain. And so illustration, when I was uh, younger, I was watching the movie Braveheart, which is about these Scottish clans, you know, fighting, if you're unfamiliar. Uh, When I was like late elementary school, uh, early middle school. And there was a battle, there was a battle scene. My dad was in the living room as I was watching. There was a battle scene and I, and I was like kind of mimicking the battle. And at one point I took it a little too far and I started making fun of the people that were dying in the battle. And my dad said, uh, Matt, I need you to stop. Um, there's nothing funny about war and death. And I could tell it meant a lot to him. And it was one of the, you know, those conversations when you're a child, when a, an adult like confronts you, and it like always sticks with you. I remember like how the back of my neck felt, and uh, he, you know, he was right. When you have been face to face with death and friends and family members that you knew, grown up that sacrificially died and didn't come back, um, you just can't let your child make a mockery of death and war. Um, I was in that moment. I was treating war in vain. Okay. God says, that's how my name is. Don't invoke or say or use my name without realizing what you're doing. Just like we, you know, the word, the first petition in the Lord's prayer, hallowed be thy name. We hallow things or we consecrate things or we treat things that matter um, with importance. And God says, my name is like that. And so what's attached to my name is I am a uh, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And God wants you to take that seriously. Not that there won't be some lightheartedness along the way if you follow this God. But how do we take how do we not take his name in vain? So two points today, uh, the importance of a name and the importance of the Trinity. So point one, the importance of a name to associate yourself with the name of God means that your behavior, your speech, and your thoughts must be consistent with his character. So most of us, when we hear uh, the third commandment, we think cussing, you know, Um, which is part of it. But there's much more to this command to associate yourself. with The name of God means that your behavior, your speech and your thoughts must be consistent with who God is. That means that any time your behavior or speech doesn't reflect who God is, you are using or carrying his name in vain. You're treating his name as if it doesn't have any bearing on your reality. And that's uh, part of how we ought to understand this command. So names in the Bible have the the sense of uh, authority and power and and identity to them. And so when you use uh, a name... The power or authority connected to that name can get transferred to you. And we actually understand this today. Um, Many have used this illustration. But, you know, if my kids are banging on the door of the other sibling and saying, let me in, I want to get in the room, you know, and they're banging and they're banging. And then they say, mom says to let me in or dad says to let me in. What do they just do? They invoke The power of the name, the authority of the name. It holds different weight. I had a friend once who was tweeted at by Blake Shelton. And uh, I mean, what what did she do? She she freaked out. She told everybody, you know, because her name in connection with his made her feel important. There was power there. And God warns us here. He says, there is power in my name. There's authority in my name. I, and, and he says, I will not hold him guiltless. who uses my name without thought to what he's saying. So make sure you know the power and authority that you're claiming when you speak about God or when you use his name. Here's uh, where we need to be very, very careful when thinking about the name of God. This um, would happen in my previous calling. I did campus ministry back Back in the day, but this this happened occasionally. Um, A student would stay in a relationship, a romantic relationship longer than they knew that they were supposed to. And they didn't really like the person. And sometimes they would get to the point where they would need to break up with the person. And they would say, you know, uh, I've been praying about this a lot. And I really think God is telling us to break up. Um, And now we can like observe that. But but what would happen there is that they drag God's name into the breakup because they just didn't want want to be completely honest. Now, this happens all the time in the church. Uh, We should be warned and very slow to attribute God's name to things. So, So, for instance, when you make really big decisions in your life transitions uh, in, in work or career path. Um, be slow to attribute what's of God and, and what isn't. Be careful and make God saying, make sure that you pay attention to how you speak about me. Names also uh, bring out identity in the Bible. Um, you are named in scripture based upon your character. So Jacob This is the how Israel gets his name. Jacob was the father of Israel, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then that's where the twelve tribes of Israel come from. Jacob comes out of the womb, literally, holding his, his brother Esau's heel, and he was named. He the word Jacob means he who supplants or undermines or he who cheats. Now, this is how the scriptures, I really want us to think about this in terms of how how our name is as God's people and what God's name means. This is how the scriptures talk about God's people. More more than just hypocrites, Jacob was a bona fide con artist. And so, uh, you know, you need to think about this is the story of how God wants to relate to us and, and who we are. And Jacob, what he did is that he dressed up like his brother. I don't know what they used back then, tape, glue. But he he glued hair to his arm and made himself smell like the woods so that he could trick his father Isaac to, to be like his brother Esau. So he tricked Isaac to, like, you know, Isaac got, got up next to him and he was like... You smell like Esau and you you feel like Esau, but your voice is not Esau's. And he tricked his dad into getting the blessing, which meant the money back in the day. The problem was he was rich, but then he was haunted for the rest of his life. Until one night he goes to sleep and he begins to wrestle with this mysterious figure called the angel of the Lord, and what he was realizing in that wrestling match is that I, I can trick people. I can even trick myself. But I can't trick God. And what I've been looking for in this life all along is actually what this mysterious figure can give me this blessing. And then this guy <laughs> broke his hip. And when he realized that, his core identity changed. His internal reality was altered and God gave him a different name, Israel, which means to wrestle with God, to strive with God. Look, some of you in here are wrestlers and uh, wrestling is intimate business. Imagine God getting all up in your grill and, and sniffing you like Isaac sniffed Jacob, feeling of you and asking the question, Are you really mine? Do you really love me? Or are you a fake? Are you only a Christian by name? And unlike Isaac, God is the opposite of blind. Uh, He sees the true reality at all times. When you take the name of God... Uh, you're taking on I- identifying with him, which means that you're saying, I know, I know God and he knows me in the most intimate way possible. So that should make some of us in here say, well, how do I know if that's actually true of me? Like, do I know God at that level? How do I know if I'm the real deal or if I've just been pretending to know God, when I actually don't. And this is the point at which I want to stress something about the law. The law acts as a mirror into our lives. And part of its purpose is to show us that one, we cannot keep it. But two, we were made to keep it. I want you to listen. This is how the scriptures talk about the law. Romans 7, 13. Paul is talking about the law of God. And he says, Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Part of the law's design is to show us, show me that I am sinful beyond measure I went to a panel discussion uh, before on human sexuality, various views on human sexuality. And there was a lot of talk and emphasis on how God accepts all people. And at one point in this discussion, um, the term Westboro Baptist was mentioned. And there was a unanimous sigh of disgust in the room. And the same would happen if I went to, let's say, like a pro-life gathering and something was said about somebody that was adamantly pro-choice, which reveals something about us. And it's that we don't believe the messages that we preach. We don't think that God is gracious to intolerant or violent people or people that cheat And I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. If God's grace has a limit, it is not the God of this Bible. If God's grace has a limit, it's not the God of this Bible. And if you claim to believe in this God and you scoff at people, if you despise anyone... If you just can't find it in yourself to love that group of people or that particular person, then you are using his name in vain if you want to identify with this God. Doesn't mean you don't stand up for justice. Doesn't mean that you don't stand in the face of evil. But this is what Martin Luther King Jr. preached. A love that extends to your enemy is the only way to have social peace. And here's what this command pushes us. You know, If you um, if you withhold love from anyone, even your enemies, what that reveals, this is what the law reveals our hearts. What that reveals is that we have compared ourselves to other people and we've elevated our name above others. And what human beings do, our tendency with that gap is to say that God is with us. Because of where we stand or because of the great works that he's done through us. And this is how the, third, the first three commandments build on each other. It shows us that we can do great things in God's name and it be counterfeit. And I want you I want you to let the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 15 through 23. Jesus gives this searing, frightening picture of judgment day, the final judgment day. And he says there's going to be people who say to me, Lord, Lord, which is the covenant name? Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out standing in the face of evil? We cast out demons in your name. Mighty works in your name. And then he's going to say to them, depart from me. For I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Whoever uses his name in vain, God will not hold guiltless. That means, y'all, and this is hard. uh, That means that on judgment day, people who are doctrinally correct, people who have done great things in this world, people who have helped others, people who have changed culture and stood for justice or protected innocent lives will be turned away from entering the kingdom of God because they never actually knew Jesus. Do you know him? When I wake up, sometimes I uh, I use my phone to try to, you know, check something. And I, sometimes I, the face ID comes up, you know. And it, it uh, says right when I wake up, like, uh, identification not recognized. You know, I guess because my face has been all like smushed on a pillow or something, <laughs> and I'm like, no, it re- you know, it, it really is me. You know, um, wait till my face adjusts. <laughs> and I, I think as I, as I hear people talk about their their faith in Jesus Christ, I feel like that's a lot of how we think of as how God's going to to view us. It. Like, no, no, it it really is me, and. Here's the offer of Christianity and what I love about what I get to tell you today. If your instinct as to whether you're a hypocrite or not is to stand up tall and say, I wasn't false. I wasn't pretending about my Christianity. I'm the real thing. That is a very different posture, y'all, than saying, I need another name. I need the name of Jesus. I need his ID, his identification. That's what it means to hallow his name. That's what it means to keep this command. How can you be sure that you're not a fake? It's that Brian Habig says this command is not about scolding you to death. That's not why Jesus told that story of Judgment Day. Jesus told that story about Judgment Day so that you would look to him. So that your knee would bow to him, to his name. Not yours. Not anybody's, but his. And Habeck says this command is not about to be not not to be scolded, but but to see the sacrificial love in Jesus Christ. And that happens by the Holy Spirit. Um, Point two, and this is a much shorter point, the importance of the Trinity. The very last thing that Jesus said to the disciples in the Gospel of Matthew is that they they need to go and baptize people into the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sure that many of us have seen that passage and it's been used to evangelize other people around you, which is great. And that's a good uh, application of the passage but I want I want you to consider something just for a moment with yourself personally. Um, in Scripture, it, you know, the literal phrase is that you are baptized into the Trinity. And what what would it mean? if You think about who you are as a person, how you identify yourself, how you think of yourself What would it mean to actually lose your identity into the Trinity? Part of our confession and catechisms that we come from in our denomination is that we should improve our baptism. And what that means is that your focus throughout your life, as you learn more and more that you're disconnected to Jesus, that your focus shifts away from yourself it shifts away from the good stuff that you do. It shifts away from the bad stuff that you do. It even shifts away from the fear that some of us may have when we read passages like this in Scripture. More importantly, it shifts away. The, the stuff that we typically hallow in our lives are the ways in which we've suffered. It even shifts away from that. And then, and then what it means to be baptized into the Trinity is that you face your existence with a whole new identity, with a whole new name that's eternal, world without end. In Revelation 2.17, it says that each of us in heaven will have a white stone with a name on it that no one knows except the one who received it. Would you consider that for a moment, that there is actually a deeper identity hidden from you that will be revealed the more you lose yourself in the Trinity? When you are stamped with that baptism, that's what you're saying, that I want to be associated with the eternality of what God wants to bless me with. The great I am says to you, it was always my delight to save those in need. Are you needy? In order to identify with this God, it is important to take a realistic view of your sin and helplessness so that God's love doesn't become cheap or vain and so that you can be pushed to know that you actually have been given the name of Jesus Christ. And at the cross, he took on your name. And that means that you can drop Jesus' name all the time because he is your acceptance. And you could be like, I know him. And somebody says, do you know God? Yeah, I I do. Um, God loves cheaters. God loves counterfeits. God loves fakes. And when you admit that, just like Jacob, and you are, you are entrenched in his blessing and his love, it can change you. It can be like him breaking your hip and you live with the limp. But your name changes. And here, here's where we have to get our minds around this as... Uh, the people of God in the world. Um, and immoral life is not the thing that makes you guilty of this command. Uh, but the refusal to identify yourself with the name of Jesus will. That is a very different approach to life. And that's how we begin to keep this command and through the gospel, obedience that used to feel like such a burden can actually become a choice. Yes, God loves cheaters, um, but he changes us into honest people. He changes us into people who can actually bear real fruit, fruit that this world can't take away. I'm in conversation with a pastor who... Knows a missionary that's currently in Ukraine. His name is Justin Williams. Justin has been in Ukraine for the past five years doing foster and street care and orphanage type ministry. And he, uh, he sent one of my uh, pastor friends an encouraging email, and it was bold. And Justin said, You know, we're not going to be spooked by Putin. And my friend's name is Tim here in the States. And he said, Tim, who, who am I going to be afraid of? Whom shall I fear? Nobody except the one who holds my life in his hands. And he said, I'm all good, brother. That's how he signed off. And the point is not to be like Justin. The point is to look at the person who Justin's looking at. How can we not take the Lord's name in vain? It means to be found in Christ. To take his name and honestly say, whatever happens, I'm good. Because of Jesus. And I'm safe in him. I, uh, I want to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and others in that country as we close. And then we're going to go into a time of confession. Um, but let's pray. God of peace and justice, we pray for the people of Ukraine today and we pray for peace and the laying down of weapons. We pray for all those who fear for tomorrow and that your spirit of comfort would draw near to them. We pray for those with power over war or peace, for wisdom, discernment, and compassion and to guide their decisions. And above all, we pray for all your precious children at risk and in fear that you would hold and protect them. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Father, would you be with our our church here today? And uh, as... As we often say, and I, I feel it more and more and more and more as the weeks go by, um, each each person, each story is holy. And you treat us with so much reverence, with so much carefulness, with so much joy. And Lord, we, uh, we want to learn how to do that with your name. We want to learn how to carry the name of Christians we got, we got,
1: we got